Hello, fitness humans, and welcome to Wave Talks episode 19. Uh, uh, uh? <laughs> yes. 19. Today we're talking with Joey Foy. So like Cam mentioned, we're talking with Joey, a.k.a. Joseph, a.k.a. Sapperton Scrapper, a.k.a. guy who says gang every five seconds. Gang, gang. <laughs> and also, a.k.a. hilarious. So we're going to have some questions here for Joey today, like... How long have you been fighting for in this lifetime? I use that word very loosely. Can it, and, and is there an answer to this question where it's in all lifetimes? <laughs> like all previous lifetimes as well? That's or why I said like in this that. lifetime, because I don't know what other <laughs> lifetimes oh, he's had. He has so many names. Could be many lives. Oh, man. <laughs> it's, a, it's a hard question to answer. I, I don't answer it very well. Uh, when people say fighting, I actually tend to avoid that word in total like I, I guess in general i've been training my whole life like a lot of people when they say fighting they literally mean the cage or the ring or something like that and that i don't want to take that away from the people that actually do this as a profession because a lot of my friends and the people i surround myself with they're legitimate fighters that's what they are um i even have friends that do it and they don't call themselves fighters and it's their profession i've been training my whole life like first sport was karate at the age of four till I was about 18 um, and I transitioned into wrestling through high school and then during the later years of high school I went into uh, MMA and I dabbled with that a little bit and then I kind of dropped everything for a few years gained a bunch of weight and figured hey I need to do something um, I'm really unhealthy I hit the weight of 250 pounds just just a big guy not active, eating for fun. And then I started training again and training again and training again. So martial arts and like, you know, fighting and training has been a part of my life since I was a little kid. And then there was that short span for a couple of years where I just didn't care about it at all. So it's been around for majority of my life. Cool. That's a pretty long time to be part of something. Yeah. You mentioned that you don't like the word fighting, but you also didn't really say what word you prefer to use. So what would you call this industry for you or this passion for yourself? Um, you're right. I don't like the word fighting. The reason why I don't like the word fighting is because of the stigma behind it. Everyone thinks I wear Ed Hardy shirt and Ed Hardy shoes and tap out this and tap out that. But that's not how we are. You're entirely affliction then? <sighs> <laughs> the more rhinestones, <laughs> it means the more people you beat up. That's actually what that means. Oh, right? instead of tears, yeah. you start putting rhinestones on your shirt? Pretty much. Oh, I did <laughs> not know that. <laughs> um, Break out the bedazzler. <laughs> I had a good night. <laughs> For me, I like to bring it back to like, uh, I'll either say like I teach martial arts or I specifically teach the sport of kickboxing or boxing I try and keep it as like direct as I possibly can with fighting or even if you say MMA people will have a, a stigma right away of like oh you're a cage fighter mm -hmm. um, and stuff like that oh you're a fighter oh you probably wear jeans and pick fights outside 7-Eleven but that's not who we are that's my that's my cousin Mark <laughs> <laughs> Mark and Jebediah every Saturday night. <laughs> Does One he take the, the bedazzler with him? Or? <laughs> pulls up in a Sorry if you watch this, Mark. I love you. <laughs> um, so that's what we. That's what a lot of the. Uh, a lot of us say. We just say 
we're martial artists or we're boxers or kickboxers we'll even use the long answer of mixed martial artists mm -hmm. and that's kind of what we identify as and that's what i say i do okay yeah and I know that you used to do mixed martial arts a lot more frequently. Mm -hmm. I, I know you still practice and stuff like that, but now you're in the coaching realm. Yep. Do you want to tell us a little bit about like when you were an athlete within the field? Mm -hmm. What was going on for you there? For sure. So I have, I unfortunately didn't get to compete as much as I should have or wanted to. Um, at an earlier age, like I'd say, I remember the day going into my home gym, which is Checkmat, now called Pinnacle MMA in Richmond. Um, I remember at an early age, like 1920, I was training and I knew some of the guys there. I, I was just another body in the room, but I knew a couple of the guys. And there's this large guy, comes up to me and says, hey, I want you to be a part of my fight camp. And I said, yeah, sure. And, you know, small talk, like, hey, what do you do? Most guys are like, hey, I'm a baker or, hey, I'm a carpenter or I'm an accountant. And he goes, no, I'm a professional fighter. And I go, no, but, like, what do you do? Like, what's your <laughs> job? You, and at, at an early age, I knew that you can't really make money in this, especially in the local circuit. That's not a mm -hmm. thing. But he kept saying, no, like, I'm a professional fighter. Um, that guy... Who said that to me was Arjun Bular, who was a UFC veteran and now the one FC heavyweight champion in all of Asia. And now, like, I've been training with guys at that level at the early age of 20, um, literally getting beat up, like on the ground, getting beat up by grown men. And yeah, you're like, oh, you're 20, you're an adult. No, 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 no. It's different in the fighting world or the mixed martial arts world. Yeah. Um, so as an athlete, I didn't get to go compete, but all my, my reputation, I guess, for myself came from inside the gym, training with local, like what I like to say, local legends, like the names of Arjun Bular, the 1FC champ, uh, former champions like Brendan Kornberger, who were like close, so close to, the, to being to the UFC. Guys like Achilles Estremadura, who we'll talk about later today, um, who's like, I think the number one knockout artist in Canada at 155 pounds. Guys like Jamie Siraj, just a bunch of, lack of a better word, killers in the sport. Um, so what were you saying about the stigma of the word fighting? Yeah, no, it's bad. You'll, you'll see two sides of me today, for sure. No doubt. Um, That's why I'm at the other end of the room, actually. <laughs> chose my position well. But what comes with being the athlete, especially in my, in my industry, is the constant wear and tear on your body. Whether it's your knees, your elbows, your back, and your brain. That's a real thing. Um, so I've been competing in the gym for so long with these high-level guys, which I love. I... I I see them every day. They're like brothers to me. But I've also seen firsthand what this sport will do to you. And I've had my fair share of it. I've, I've pulled my back multiple times. I've hurt my legs. But I've also had multiple concussions. And I feel like I am smart enough to decide and kind of identify like, hey, 
mixed martial artists or also known as fighters have a lifespan you can't do this for the rest of your life you can't be 50 and still expecting to compete like you're 20 um it's just the way it is so i thought to myself well who makes these athletes great right everyone looks at i don't know people that watch boxing or something like george st pierre let's say george st pierre everyone kind of knows who that is but does everyone know who his coach was his name is faraz sahabi he's helped build mixed martial artists that have gone to the championship level from a very early time and he's a local legend he's out in montreal there's guys like greg jackson nobody knows him but everybody knows john jones one of his coaches um everybody knows conor mcgregor but not a lot of people know john kavanaugh the guy who's behind the madness right and i thought i would rather build the car than drive the car the guy building the car can build multiple cars yeah. right and if i can turn that into i guess a lifestyle and a career that that to me is like the next step so i went from athlete watching all these guys kind of hit the top and go to the bottom kind of thing through age and wear and tear I said to myself, I don't want to be that guy. I've seen a lot of guys go from absolute stardom, especially in the local circuit, to like, oh, that guy used to be really good, right? And he's kind of just there working as like a concrete placer. Like nobody knows really who you are. Not saying that job's bad, but mm -hmm. imagine that. You were at the peak of the sport, mm -hmm. and now you're kind of just a rumor right i didn't want that i want to have a new reputation of building athletes or assisting athletes and achieving their goals yeah, so that think, was kind of my journey through that yeah i was just gonna say i think like when you're passionate about something like i can see that you are the thought of losing all that and not being able to do anything yeah. related to it would be really heartbreaking and hard to like age with yeah so like good on you for recognizing <laughs> that that was something you really wanted to stick with and cool yeah. that you can like put that into other people oh totally i'm not gonna lie though like i still have some what we call dog in you and <laughs> like it, it kills me though not being able to do what i used to be able to do to that fullest extent like yeah. i miss out and i just have to watch and it kills you but then you kind of like try and swing it the other way and you know give your buddies pointers and tips mm -hmm. and hey you should do this or hey you should do that it gives you a totally different perspective but, but you, you'll keep maturing too, right? Like, well, that's just it. It's a huge yeah. mental struggle to yeah. like go through and then sort through like all those like mixed emotions of like, I was supposed to, I should have, mm -hmm. I, you know, had these expectations for myself and like that mm -hmm. process of letting those go. Um, you're kind of alluding to like the, like how it was happening in thought, but do you do anything actively to like deal with that? Yeah, I... You know, I, I do this every day. Like, I, I hold pads for people every day. I'm a, I'm a boxing coach. Um, and lately, it's kind of hard to find time to find, like, a supplement, I guess you could say. Because, obviously, I can't I can't punch as many people as I wanted to anymore. <laughs> like, <laughs> lack of a better word. That, that's just it. I've been actually having this conversation a lot lately with a lot of my good friends, like Achilles. And... I have to find ways to supplement it. And one of the ways that I supplement it is trying to find time 
to hit pads myself. Mm-hmm. Like I hold pads for people eight to 10 hours a day, six days a week. So that leaves me one day, which I also use to teach my girlfriend how to box. So where do I find the yeah. time to do it myself? So I'm trying to do my best to find little spots in my days and to to kind of supplement that that itch. Mm. Um, oh, I totally get that. Like as a coach, sometimes when you get so busy, which is great because mm-hmm. you like being busy, you love your job. But the thing that takes the back burner first is like your own movement, health and wellness, because mm-hmm. now you're there for so many other people and you've like saturated that place in your mind. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, I'm passionate about my job and I know you are too, but you probably get to that state after working those six days where you're like, I don't want to be in a gym doing boxing stuff anymore. Yeah. It can happen sometimes yeah. and you're like, but I need to because it's good for me. Yeah. I'm very lucky though. I can, I can genuinely say this. I've never had a bad day doing what I do. Hmm. Like, obviously before the show, you guys were hearing me talk about how I was stressed because I double booked a, a client. But I, le- I kind of flip it. You know, like, if I double book a client, okay, well, then I'll be pissed off for, like, I don't know, a little bit here. I'll be stressed out. But then I'll think about, it, okay, how can I get better? Mm-hmm. And I got that from doing mixed martial arts. If you're... On your back, getting punched in the face. <laughs> As we all this are at some point in the <laughs> This is so good. Metaphorically. Oh, you're going to hear the most Joey Foy metaphor. I, I got this. I think I got this from my buddy Achilles. Um, I'll give you the actual story. This one time, I was sparring my buddy, Brendan Kornberger, who was a grown man. He was a fireman by trade. But he was also the number one 185er in Canada at the time. Yeah, he was like... The manliest man you've ever seen. He had a, like a crazy jawline. Anyways. This is what you remember. <laughs> yeah. Because you were underneath this. him yeah. looking at it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I just really remember his jaw. <laughs> oh, I just remember his jawline. <laughs> and he was literally like on me and I'm like pressed against the cage, all like, like pretzeled up, mangled, <laughs> and he's just punching me in the face. And then Achilles goes, how bad do you not want to die right now? And I go, yeah, you're right. You get up. <laughs> so how I translate that, I, I bring that into my work life. Yeah. So, yeah, you can kind of screw up. You can do all those things. But it's not about the screw up. How fast can you fix it? How, can, how fast can you make it right? And in the future, how do you make it so that will never happen again? Yeah. So I don't have bad days. I just have like, I, to be honest, I always have a great day. Right? I, I love what I do. I've been in the mud, digging holes. I've been on my back, getting beat up. <laughs> no one's punching me. So everything else is like uh, Everything amazing. else is pretty easy. Like, <laughs> it's all good. Life is great. Life is great. It, it can always be worse. <laughs> You've been in the mud. I thought you were a carpenter. What were you in the mud for? <sighs> digging holes to put forms in the mud. Oh, it that sucks. doesn't sound fun. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. <laughs> so what, what's worse? Carpenting and being in the mud or getting punched in the stomach? Oh, carpentry. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Carpenting? Carpenting. Is, is that the wrong Carpentry. word? <laughs> Carpentry. Did I say carpenting? That's what I heard you say. That's amazing. <laughs> I prefer that. I, I like that, actually. Carpenting. It sounds like that. It sounds like putting in carpets. Carpenting? Carpenting. It's like a carpenter for carpets. <laughs> or like a carpenter for carps. I think they're called carpenter. English is not carpenter. my first language, okay? <laughs> I'm just going to go with that. 
So you mentioned also that there's a lot of concussions in uh, your industry. I know that you've had concussions before. Do you want to tell us a little bit about like that experience? Yeah. Um, So my first big concussion, I remember it. Like I remember the full thing. And I know they're unique to everybody, but I was training with my buddy Achilles for his fight. And we're doing a thing called shark tanking. So shark tanking is when the athlete is in the is in the cage or the ring and let's say you were fighting five five minute rounds so every round you'll have a fresh guy to fight and i think i was round two or something so achilles is still fresh and he's like i said he's the, like the number one knockout artist in canada he's a high level athlete and so i go in a not as high level athlete as he is <laughs> And we're moving around, and we're looking sharp, and we're going good, and we're wearing, I believe they were seven ounce gloves. So in perspective, what you'll see guys hitting each other with in a boxing gym is a 16 ounce glove. What you'll see guys boxing with in a real uh, boxing match is a 10 ounce glove, most commonly. For us, when we spar in MMA, it's a seven ounce puffy glove. So think about those gauges. And then when you actually compete in a a full professional MMA bout, it's a four ounce glove. It's pretty much just a piece of leather over your hand. It actually makes the punch feel way harder than it actually is supposed to be. So we're using a seven ounce puffy glove. And just like hundreds of times before, me and him have gone and we've we've sparred very hard, harder in the past. And we're sparring, you should actually have a footage of this round. We're moving, we're moving, we're moving, and he catches me with like a slip two. Hits me, no big deal. My it catches me, I think like on the nose, but my neck was stiff enough that like it was nothing. But you could tell it was a big shot. Then we're moving and moving and moving, and he catches me with just like a little pop shot, and my head does the full snap, but I'm still good, just like hundreds of times before. Mm. We're moving and moving and moving, and then he just you know little jabs here and there, nothing crazy, and. You know, I I competed the whole round. In fact, I did more training that day. Um, I felt completely fine. But when I got home, I remember at the time, my partner was like, you good? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. She's like, you seem like a little, like a little slow and sleepy. I go, no. And we had a friend over at that time. She goes, yeah, you got a concussion. I'm like, no, I don't. (laughs) No, you don't know what you're talking about. Trust me, this happens all the time. She's like, no, like... You got a concussion. And it didn't really hit me. Like, I didn't realize it for a while. Because at the time, it was it was so new to me. It was my first time ever having these symptoms. Like, st- st- stuttering when I talk. Mm. The room was so, like, shaky. My, my motor skills were absolutely terrible. I didn't throw up. The lights weren't as bad as I thought they would be. But I could feel my heartbeat in my head. Like, I was like oh what is going on and I think I went to work as well a few times as a carpenter back then and just little simple things like someone be like measure out four feet okay four foot one Joey it's too long okay sorry three foot six okay and it's like whoa and they'd be like are you okay and I'm like "I I, I don't know like my head is pounding and then I start to realize oh man I got a concussion because it started getting worse and worse and worse even though I was taking time off mm-hmm. of training um, 
and I know they're very unique to everyone in, in my scenario. Everyone was really on me about it. They're like, you need to go see a doctor. You know, you, you got to go see a doctor. And yeah, you should have. But also, I was kind of like, they're just going to say you have a concussion. That's literally what they're going to say to you. So you're going to go all the way downtown to your family doctor just to be told that you have a concussion. And at the time, I was getting motion sick from driving. Mm-hmm. Like me as a driver, it was like I would avoid speed bumps. I've had a lot of people tell me this, like, they know they have a concussion they want to go to the doctor but they figure that they're not a lot's going to happen they're just going to say yes you have a concussion rest and then slowly integrate your activities again yeah and it sounds like there's not a whole lot of support for that unless you're going to the actual concussion clinic and you're an athlete yeah i unfortunately haven't been able to go to the concussion clinic no excuse i've never even looked into it because after that concussion, like, I just took time off. I just, there was no specific rehab thing. I was I was doing everything that other, like, MMA fighters were telling me to do. Like, take lion's mane, ginkgo biloba, or CBD oils. And, hey, you need to sleep a lot. Make sure you're hydrating. I, I believe I saw you a couple times mm-hmm. for my neck. Um, and they all were, they were all temporary fixes. And I am no expert on concussions. N- not at all. Um but honestly it was just time i know guys that'll have a concussion for a week i know guys that are like they cannot put on a pair of gloves ever again Mm. right like it's such a wide diverse spectrum everyone's so unique Mm -hmm. not gonna lie i've had concussions recently since then and for me all my symptoms are very similar other people they'll throw up the the lights will bug them mm-hmm. for me my eyes might get a little bit phased almost oh. like you're looking at like a bunch of lines really close to each other mm-hmm. and it kind of looks a little blurry that's one of the common visual the things stigmas, i'll see yeah. yeah um the pressure in the head that's definitely a thing that i'll feel sometimes um i'm not this could be the cowboy mentality in me but i feel like i'm pretty good at self-diagnosing now like oh you need to sit or for example, a few weeks ago, I got caught with an uppercut. It just caught me on the forehead. Not even like like your hardest part of your head. <laughs> right? It's, it's nothing. Like, I've been punched there a hundred times, and it's usually fine. But I sat right into this one, ate it on the forehead. I was like, done. And he's like, what? I'm like, no. I just know that whatever happens after this will increase the chance of an even more severe issue. Um I felt fine after, but I know my limit now. Mm-hmm. I know that it's not necessarily the big shot. It's all the little shots after. And you're talking about like being cognizant of longevity. And that's kind of what you were mentioning earlier too, where you were having this inner battle between your passion and something you absolutely love, but like thinking of the longevity of your mm-hmm. life and trying to balance that is a hard thing to do. Totally. Yeah, totally. Um, recently, I've just been thinking about, like my mindset's totally different. Um, I've been talking to a lot of people about like, where do you see yourself in five years? Where do you see yourself in 10 years? And it's not like financial goals. Never. It's never about the financial goals and stuff like that. It's usually just about, I want to be like, I want to be known as one of the best coaches in Western Canada at what I do specifically, which Mm -hmm. is striking for MMA. Um, 
some people are like, oh, Joey, you're you're so close. And no, 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 relax. I, I got some time to figure this out. There's so much I need to learn in this game. Like, I'm not bad at what I do, but I can be, always be better. Um, I always talk about stuff like that. And I know that if I was, if I just said whatever and I was still putting on the gloves as much as I used to, I'd be looking at three-year goals. Maybe. There'd be no way I could be looking at five-year goals with the amount of, like, with how hard I used to press the gas, there's no way I could really look at that five-year goal mark, I don't think. So I and found that wouldn't be possible as an athlete either, would it? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Yeah. Like, I know, and it's, it's, a, it's a crazy realization, but it's like, I know that I won't go to the UFC. I might have had the potential to maybe be ranked in Canada, but I think that I could do great things in the coaching world. In fact, I feel like I know. I feel like I'm one step ahead. Yeah. Seeing that I'm in my mid-20s now and I've cornered in UFC events twice, once when I was 24 and now when I'm 26, those are huge goals that not a lot of people will get to see or even do. Yeah. Um, so I'm very fortunate of doing that at my age and I can't wait to see how many more I may be able to do in that five-year span. Well, and I'm, I imagine you break it down like you would have with training goals as an athlete, and now you break it down as a coach and exactly. see this is my end goal, so these are the steps I have to take to get there in the end. Exactly. I, I'm in love with what I do, almost to a point where I need to take that step back, um, but it's quite hard. Like I'm always trying to reinvent myself, and every, just like in your guys' world, every athlete you come across is so unique. Mm-hmm. They have strengths, they have weaknesses, and where do you want to put more points into their skill tree and this and that. So my mind is constantly always going, whether it's about my business, like how can I be more efficient with my time and my space mm-hmm. and um, creating more diversity and maintaining being unique as a coach, as well as reinventing my just my skills, mm-hmm. like my actual physical skills. Um, no, I love what I do. Yeah, and I think, um, like, I know something that we all deal with as coaches is that there's this element of care for all your clients, right? And, you know, you've said, like, your clients are important to you. You love training them. And sometimes we put so much of ourselves into our clients because that's part of a big part of our job. We kind of forget about putting that care into us. And even like you mentioned before, like you never have time to have somebody else hold pads for you and hit, right? Yeah. And like maybe it's, you know, taking those moments to for all of us to like make sure we're carving out those moments for us where we're not thinking, where we're not training other people, not caring for others, but actually taking care of the things that make us just kind of forget what we're doing in the best way totally. so we can clear our minds and like think about those big goals think about our clients think about how we can become better and all that kind of stuff kind of having those moments to just be yeah well, well, i think that goes even beyond like the job of coaching that's just like good life advice yeah you know um i think it's just significant for us as coaches because we preach it to so many people and like i said we're probably the first people to forget it for ourselves yeah oh yeah <laughs> it's funny you've been saying it to me for so long like right when i started you were and like we've been telling her <laughs> totally um, she's been telling us <laughs> but I mean. like, multiple people have been telling me you're gonna burn out and i was like no way impossible <laughs> <laughs> yeah right and how, how old are you right now 
old enough. <laughs> old enough, you're starting to feel it. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. What are you? What are you? Twenty six. Twenty six. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, ways to go before yeah. it all goes downhill. Oh. <laughs> no, but you you start to feel it more like in your later twenties when you're like, why am I still doing this? I'm making enough to survive. I'm making enough to enjoy my life. And I'm working so hard that I don't even have time to do things for myself. I have to pay other people to do things for me now. Mm. And so it's like, do I want to spend that time doing things for myself and feel like an autonomous, independent human being? Or do I want to keep working and just be at the the mercy of everyone that does stuff for me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, like I couldn't agree more. You're going to feel it no matter what whether it's you're in the trades or the medical industry or, mm-hmm. you know, for us as trainers, I'm feeling it. And it's not taking the love away, but it's like if it's going to affect your, it could affect multiple things. It could affect your relationships. It could affect your mm-hmm. physical health, your uh, emotional or mental health as well. Um, yeah. And when I was doing construction, I remember one of my buddies used to tell me, you got to look out for number one. You always got to look out for number one. And now it all, it really translates into what we do, right? Like I've learned, I don't want to toot my own horn here, but some people like go out of their way and say, this is like my favorite part of my day. In fact, it's sometimes the favorite part of their week. You're paying for a service and it makes you feel super good at the end of it. And then now for me, it's just an everyday thing, but I need to grab that too. Like I need my one thing that I look forward to every single week. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, actually, my... And that's a McDonald's apple pie, right? 110. No, it's totally Honey's Donuts. Come on. Oh, don't start. Ooh, shout out to Honey's Donuts. I'm right here, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, so good. They're so thick. I don't know how you can eat that many of them. Like, I'll have one, and I feel like I've just eaten an entire cake. They are so massive. Oh, so good. Sorry, sidebar had to. <laughs> Very important sidebar. We're always here for donut sidebars. Put up the uh, like hashtag on the screen yeah. and all that. Honey's, so. honey's donut. We'll give them your contact info. <laughs> kind of what you mentioned before, though, is you said it's going to start affecting other parts of your life, but it doesn't change the passion. And I actually really love that statement because mm-hmm. I feel like our job is almost a form of escapism because yeah. you completely escape into other people and their problems and their yeah. joys and everything. And then you get back to your life and you're like, right, there's all this stuff that I like need to deal with or, mm-hmm. you know, and we we use our passion of our job to kind of not deal with. Well, that there's stuff, there's think, also sometimes. there's also living like kind of vicariously through the others right like we feel the success of the clients we empathize with the struggles of the clients we 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 get that dopamine hit when they have their dopamine hit right like it's it's all empathetic in that Mm -hmm. that way um and then yeah you come home to the dumpster fire of your own life um (laughs) and then all you want to do is go back and help more clients because easier than helping yourself that feels good compared to who wants to deal with your real life dumpster fire floating down the like washed out road in the lower mainland the lower mainland. <laughs> which is actually a great segue for how did it feel <laughs> i love it which is sorry Kim. which is actually a great segue for how did it feel taking somebody to the ufc because you probably had like moments of being like vicarious life through achilles but also being there as his like help Helper coach? Were you his coach while you were there? Yeah, right? I use that term with him very loosely. Okay. The reason why 
is he taught me everything. I give all my credit. I'd say 80% of my credit of like my skill set to him. So he coached you so you could coach him? Pretty much. He like when people ask me isn't um, that a form of grooming? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they they brush each other, Cam. That's weird. <laughs> Not the grooming I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Face we joke. did share a hotel room for okay. two and a half weeks. <laughs> I just picture you two like picking lice off of each other like monkeys. Be like, yo, bro, are you excited for today? Oh, man, I got Guess so we'll, many stories and we'll, he'll we'll, kill we'll talk, me. We'll talk about it afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I use that term, like, I don't really... She's distracted by the gorilla on his... <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's, what that. that's what it is. That's what it is. Yeah, grooming. Um, I don't use that term with him because at, at the end of the day, he... I give him all the credit in the world. He he pretty much built me to the fighter I am today, or the athlete I am. Sorry, I keep using that word. Um, Come on. And you said you hated uh, it. Yeah, Gosh. I do. Yeah. I mean, we always go to the places that we hate, though, right? Yeah. Like that's that self now. He's that like, thing. I'm a fighter. Oh, I hate myself. Feels so good. Oh man, where's my Ed Hardy shirt? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he 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 gave me a majority of my skill set. Like when we move around, we move around very similarly. The only difference is like. I'm left-handed and maybe not as slick as he am. He is, sorry. Um, but because he built me, I have all the same or a lot of the same skill sets as he does. The combos that I throw are very similar to his. Um, I held pads from for so long. I think I've been in his corner for the last four or five fights. Um, and I've known Achilles since I was 17. He was actually my very first MMA coach. Um, back in the old days where the gym was on East Hastings, like right beside Save on Meats, it was at a gym called Ashley Capoeira. And I was like, the way I was introduced to him was my sister used to take Capoeira and was like, yo, you should go do MMA with these guys. I'm like, man, they dance. And I found out so quick that it's not just dancing. They, I'm allowed to swear? Yes. Beat the shit out of me. <laughs> oh, man. I was like, whoa, I thought I was sick. No, no, no. <laughs> You're going to get beat up. And Achilles was one of those guys. Um, so at the age of 17, he actually coached me. But I, I got to know him and know him and know him to a personal level. He's like one of my brothers now. I consider him family. And going you know, going from the days of us being teenagers, talking about the UFC, like literally watching it and be like, well, this is so cool. And back then, the Affliction shirts were sick. <laughs> back then. <laughs> I love your background. They, back they were new. That's like two weeks ago. Like, <laughs> man. Um, so, yeah, you know, I have old photos of me and him, like, as, like, teenagers and this whole crew of guys to, like, our, or, like, my early 20s until now. And I've been cornering him even in his his matches in, like, Vancouver, like, at the Hard Rock Casino to the Vancouver Convention Center. Um and then all of a sudden he gets the call to go to the Dana White's Contender Series. Um, and that was like starstruck. I remember I was taking a nap after work and he calls me. I'm like, oh, what? I answer the phone. It was like midday. And he's like, hey, what are you doing November 6th? And I should sound like Achilles. Hey, uh, what are you doing November 6th? And I go, I don't know, man. He goes, you want to corner me? I'm like, yeah, who are you fighting? He goes, I don't know, some guy from China. I'm like, okay, where? And he goes, Las Vegas. And I go, huh? He goes, yeah, it's Dana White's Contender Series. I'm like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, 
yeah, can you be there? And I was like, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I'm sure I can make it. Um, and it was awesome, man. Like, just being there from, like, when we were kids, we, like, young adults to now, it's unbelievable. Like, it, it's, I, I'm still kind of shocked from it all to think that even as, like, a little kid, I kind of manifested, like, oh, I want to do that one day. But yeah. as a kid, you always thought you want to be the athlete because that's all you see. But life had a different route for me, right? And I love the route that I'm on. So cornering him at the Dana White's Contender Series in Las Vegas, regardless of that outcome, is a thing that I will remember to the day I die. It is, like, the craziest memory I'll ever have. Yeah. It's so cool. That's, that's pretty pretty intense. Yeah. Pretty special. Yeah, very special. Very special. That's really cool. Do you want to tell us more about what it was like actually being there? I know I, I kind of in the pre-interview, I kind of asked you, like, what was your favorite part? What was your least favorite part? Um, and you mentioned that your least favorite part was that it wasn't fun was literally what you said to me. You're like, it wasn't fun. Yeah. I didn't get to fanboy. No. So <laughs> you had to work. This is this was my second time being involved with the UFC. The first time was in Vancouver when the UFC came. I cornered a guy named Tristan Connolly. Um, he ended up having the biggest upset. I think he actually won upset of the year by the UFC. He he that took sucks. his fight on five days notice at a weight class above. So he usually competes at 155 pounds. Um, he went up to 170 pounds. And if for the people that don't really know about this, you only weigh 155 pounds or whatever the weight class you're competing at for maybe 20 seconds. You step on the scale, you weigh in, then you just go drink a bunch of Pedialyte and electrolytes and eat a bunch of food. And I've seen guys get up to like 185 when they're competing at 155. So that was the time that I got to kind of fanboy because it was my first ever time like getting to experience the whole thing. I got to meet amazing coaches like Trevor Whitman, who has, I believe, like three world champions under his one belt. Um, I met a bunch of athletes. I really got to fanboy. Um, and this was my second time going out to Las Vegas because I went with Tristan a, a previous time. Um, and that's where I, I also fanboyed. I met guys like Forrest Griffin. And I was like, you are the reason why I do what I do. <laughs> you, like, I remember seeing you when I was like 11 on Spike TV. <laughs> right? Yes. Um, that's pretty cool. Um, forgot most people, about Spike TV. I forgot about Spike classic. TV. My parents shouldn't have let me watch that. <laughs> Um, but Call they did. out to Joey's parents. Shout, uh, out, shout out Christina and Joe. Yeah, that's all <laughs> That's why he is this way. <laughs> um, and so I really got to fanboy back then. Um, but I was very young. Like, obviously I'm still young, but I was very young in my maturity sense with this whole industry. I never really took it seriously. Like, I took it seriously, but not like today. Because when I went, it was all business. I said, this is one of my best friends competing at the highest level of the sport your head has to be in the game you cannot be selfish there will never be a time where you're like walking about trying to get an autograph or a photo or trying to have small talk with someone and people can agree or disagree with me and take those opportunities but for me because achilles like he means a lot to me he yeah. taught me almost everything i know I'm not going to waste a breath on somebody else when it doesn't matter. I'm going to try to do my best to make sure that he's eating well, the pad work 
is exactly what he wants. We're going on his schedule. I want to make sure his weight is where it should be. He needs to be relaxed. Um, think about it. You're, you're fighting for your life against another person in a cage that flew across the world from China because he was the best guy there. And Achilles is the best guy here. Like, it's no joke. Yeah. And for me, it even though I'm not the one competing, I still hold a lot of responsibility. Yeah, of course. Like, you're a cornerman. Whatever you say has an effect on your athlete. Mm-hmm. There can't be any BS. There, like, you need to understand the time to joke around and to be serious. You need to understand your athlete at a personal level. If I know he doesn't like something, I'm going to do my best to keep that something away. Um, so there was no time to fanboy. There was everything I tr- I did my best to cater towards the athlete. Mm. Like no unnecessary nonsense. It had to be very focused. But that was your job. That That's was, my job. That was the whole thing as a coach, right? Like you're not, you're yeah. not there as just like the entourage. Exactly. You're, you're there with a purpose. A lot of people were like, oh, it must have been a cool trip. No. Yeah. Right away, you're not the guy for the job. It's not about it being a cool trip. No, you got you got blinders on, right? Yeah. Like you're you're just going. Exactly. And I always say the reason why I do my day job of holding pads and teaching boxing is to do this. I don't get paid to do that. I get paid to hold pads. But I hold pads so I can do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? That keeps me relevant. That is the reason why I do what I do. Um, relevant so for, relevant to who? To the people in the sport. Okay. At the end of the day, there's there's tons of people that do my job. Tons. And good for you. But I don't... I take it very seriously. I love mm-hmm. what I do. It's very pas- Like It's my passion. It's the number one thing. If you took it away from me today, I, I don't know what I would do. I, I can't compete. I can't hold pads. Do you want me to go back to swinging a hammer? Like, I, I'm not good at that. I don't like that. And I take my what I do very seriously. Like... Um, there's gyms out there, just nonchalant gyms that'll hold pads for you and you know make you feel good. But I want you to be good. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to feel good. I always say, I don't care if you're a soccer mom or a guy that has severe arthritis through his whole left side or you're, you're competing at the UFC level or you're doing it as a hobby. You're going to learn it the same way. I don't care. You're going to learn it the, the right way. You're going to learn it for a purpose. Um, I always say this to my class at Pinnacle MMA. I I always start the drills off with, okay, everyone throws one twos, just a jab cross. It should, the rhythm should be proper. Your technique should be perfect. It is the most basic combination you're ever gonna throw. My mom can throw this at Zumba. That's literally what I say. My mom does this at Zumba, but the difference is your goal is to hit somebody. My mom's goal isn't to hit somebody. Um, we're punching with a purpose. You're, you're just like, I don't know if you want to <laughs> put that into your mom's like thing. She might she might want to hit somebody. Oh, <laughs> give, her, give her a flip-flop and she'll fight anybody. You've mentioned this before. <laughs> she will beat your ass with a flip-flop, man. Oh, dude, it's like a Filipino ninja star. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, man. That's so funny. But... That's why I take my job so seriously. There's there's gyms out there. You can walk down the street and find a kickboxing instructor right now. But then you can ask him his credentials or her his their credentials. 
And they'll be like, oh, I got this certificate that says I can hold kickboxing. No, there's no such thing. Just stop. <laughs> I'm going to look for the guy or the girl or the trainer. It doesn't matter who it is that, for me at least, is most relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had people come to see me not knowing who I was and then them finding out who I was. And they're like, oh, like you're legit. <laughs> uh, my favorite story. This is the best. A guy comes in. Uh, I'm located right now. I'm at Grindhouse Athletics in East Vancouver, right by right by Red Wagon. Shout out to Red Wagon. <laughs> Red Wagon's so oh, good. So good. They know my name there. I haven't been to the new uh, location yet. You should go in right beside it. We'll go Oops. get pancakes. <laughs> Invitation accepted. Um, when I can walk. Yes. yes. Say. Perfect. But a guy walks in there during middle of the day in the summertime, and he's wearing like this tracksuit affliction affliction shirt so close <laughs> velour, so close velour. like oh yeah sunglasses indoors velour is sick i have a story about that <laughs> um whereas sunglasses indoors and he kind of just comes up to me and he, like tattoos from the neck to his toes and he goes hey i want to hit pads and i go get in line like <laughs> i'm on break i'm not taking on another client he's like yo i'll pay you money right now i don't want to do any fitness workout i don't want to hit pads i go it's this much. He goes, what? <laughs> I'm like, hey, it's this much. Like, I'm sorry. Like, the price is the price. I'm not going to go out of my way for someone that I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like, what? Like, back home, it's this much. Like, who do you think you are? Kind of like arguing with me. I'm like, you know what, man? Take my card. If you look at my Instagram, Sapton Scrapper, <laughs> you will see what I'm about. I'm not a good salesman, but I let my work do the talking for me. Take my card. Next day on Instagram, he apologized. He said, I'm so sorry. Like, I didn't realize you were legit. Like, the guys that you have underneath you look amazing. Um, he, he saw some of the guys like Achilles or um, one of my buddies, Henry Pham, who's an amazing boxer out in Rain City. A guy named Trey, who's also out in Rain City. Um, he saw these guys hitting mitts and then he sees like other clients of mine like one of my clients Andrea one of the clients that I'm actually really most proud of um she's just this short five foot two girl who you wouldn't think anything of and she has done a great job of posting her progression and now her head is gonna get so big but like (laughs) almost on like a daily basis people are like whoa she looks so good because like I don't like I said. I don't care who you are. I'm going to teach it to you the right yeah. way because that's how I taught. Mm. Um, so that helps me stay relevant. I forgot what the question was, but that was a <laughs> sick story that I had to tell you guys. Perfect. <laughs> and we enjoyed it. I've actually I've got a little bit of a combative question if I yeah. can ask it, um, just to see if we can shake you a little bit here. Yeah. Um, oh, nice. Let's go. You're like so. Over the last little while, you've been talking about your industry as a coach in the not fighting fighting uh area and um you kind of like said like you can go to any gym and like get a person and they say they've got credentials but they don't and you do have the credentials I don't want to say it comes across as a little bit elitist, but I'm wondering if you can contextualize that a little bit more because it sounds like you're throwing shade to your own industry and saying like, unless you're where I am, don't bother. So 
I'm actually very happy you brought that up. At the end of the day, you are going to find a trainer or a coach that caters to you, correct? Mm-hmm. Now, also in my industry, there are people that say, hey, I want to be... They actually say, I want to be a fighter. I want to do this. Well, you better be picky because there's a lot of people that will, especially in my industry, that will get you hurt. This is... I hate saying it's so cheesy, but it's the hurt business. You're literally going to get hurt. I'm not saying I am the guy, but I do have credentials to at least assist you. Mm -hmm. And if I can't assist you, I will point you in the direction that I can. So is it coming from a place of like, know what you're getting yourself into? And like, you're speaking for yourself as saying like, I have the credentials. You're not speaking for like a general standard because is, is that like not a thing? I mean, like, in fitness, as an example, mm-hmm. we as personal trainers have one of those lowest like barriers to entry. You can literally, like it used to be four months of a course. Now you can literally do a test online in a day. Mm. If you pass the test, you're, you're, you're a personal guy. trainer. Yeah. That's it. You're, you're in. Um, so that puts it at soup to nuts for mm. who you get, right? So how do you pick a good trainer becomes the question, which is exactly the question I think that's being posed here and I just want to make sure we're contextualizing that mm. to say that you're not saying like hey I'm the best and the rest are you know like right. shitty dumpster fires floating away in the uh, you know flooded road yeah. like uh, our lives outside of coaching like we established yeah, earlier exactly um, but if like so I can't work with you because you're too busy you know yeah. like you're like I see what the red mm-hmm. wagon in my velour suit and I'm like hey Sick. um <laughs> Don't look me up and down like that. Like, I was just imagining you in a velour suit. Yeah. And, I'm like, and I love it and I want to see it. And I, it's a brown velour suit with aviators. I, and But there's an orange stripe. Oh, don't get me started. Oh my God. Like I got tingles when he looked me up and down like that. Is that is that what it feels like to be objectified? That might be the first time in my life. Did you like it? I don't know. <laughs> he did. He did. Um, He's blushing now. I, I really am. He is. Uh, but... <laughs> So, so how how do I go out and like what like what is that standard like what's what what, what are the qualities you look for like how do you pick a good trainer yeah, yeah. That, that's a very good question thank so, you it only took me forty five minutes to ask <laughs> how do you pick a good trainer everyone uh, everyone uh, perfect good everyone answer. everyone <laughs> you know what everyone and Joey that's lots, how you pick a good lots trainer. of research and lots of trial and error. Yeah. For me, I'm very fortunate of just stumbling upon my trainer. Like, mm-hmm. I'm very lucky. Um, but some people aren't. And so we have this thing, like, at, at the gym with all the athletes. It's like you have to travel to other villages to, like, try things, mm-hmm. right? See what, see what caters to you the most. Um, and it's hard. Man, I'm really shooting myself in the foot. When you get to the level... All of your clients are going to quit after this podcast. (laughs) Sorry, guys. But like when you get to a certain level where you're training actual athletes to compete, then you can start getting picky with it. People will have their opinion on me, and I will have my opinion on that other person. But at the end of the day, it's going to get settled. Right? There is... Not like I'm going to fight you. Like, that's not how it is. But we're going to... like Your athlete's going to first their athlete. Their athlete's going to first your athlete. Um, But my biggest thing is... Trial and error. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to walk down a 30-minute hit if I'm going to compete in a fight. Yeah. Th- yes. That just doesn't make sense. I'm going to also look at my skill set. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say, okay, which trainer best suits my skill set? Mm-hmm. 
Or let's say I have zero experience, nothing. I've never thrown a punch. I've never laced up a glove. That is totally fine. But to those people, I recommend doing extensive research. The reason why I say that there's so many athletes, not even athletes, just casual people that like to train that come see me and I almost have to reinvent them, right? If if I was, I don't know, I don't know how to lift weights. So if I was <laughs> you, bench you, pressing. You pick them up and then you put them down. Pretty much. But <laughs> if I got terrible is. technique, like let's say I was bench pressing and it was atrocious. Yeah. I'd hope one of you guys corrects it. It'll, it'll right. be Jess. Probably. Yeah. Um, DNL will be too afraid to approach you. I won't. No, speak for yourself. I'm a good student. I'm going to be swear. out buying a tracksuit. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, um, I got to tell you the story about the other tracksuit after. Anyways, yeah, do your do extensive research because at the end of the day, you could really get yourself hurt. Not in the sense of if you compete against somebody, mm. but you're making impact. Yeah. Right? I've been doing this my whole life and I still hurt my wrist. I still hurt my back. I still hurt my elbows. Mm-hmm. And it's not just kicking and punching things. <laughs> it There's a technique to it, right? Like, I don't expect Jess to just throw on a bunch of plates and make me start yeah. squatting. I'd no. probably be expecting like, hey, you're going to go just, let's see, can you squat? Okay, here's a broomstick. <laughs> can you squat? Okay, here's the bar. Can you squat? Okay, let's add some fives. See, that's a really good point because I think a lot of people forget this, and this is more trainer talk, um, but people forget to actually research who they're hiring to teach them how to move. Mm-hmm. Um, research who they're hiring to manipulate them, right? Like, have you read into that person? And then try it and question it, right? Mm-hmm. Did I get along with this person? Yeah, Did this? Yeah, because if you don't like who's training you, you're probably not going to do well anyway. Well, and maybe as a client, you don't really care about the technique. Well, that's just and, and like maybe you just want to have a fun time yeah. with a trainer and yeah. sweat. So that, I'm happy you said that. One of the things that I actually always say on my first day is if you came to me looking for a workout, you came to the wrong place. Love it. If you want to learn how to do this like technically and safely... Um, whether your goal is to compete or not compete, doesn't matter. I, I will be your guy. I will do that job for you. Um, and then I'll proceed to showing them examples like Kiwi. Mm-hmm. I will literally show off Kiwi. Be like, see this little... Sorry, the fruit or the bird? <laughs> <laughs> the person. The person. The person. Ah. Uh, uh, kiwi from the block on kiwi. Instagram. Oh, great. She's my best friend. It, it really threw me off like when you went like this. I yeah, like, I know. I was like, she's, she's a tiny bird, she's a small tiny person. kiwi. She's a small person. <laughs> um, kiwi's like five foot two, little Fijian girl. Like you would, like she's super small and skinny. And like I, I assisted her from the day where she's never put on a pair of boxing gloves to where she was beating up a grown man nice. <laughs> in the gym, nice. which is like... Th- thank you for clarifying, in the gym. <laughs> in the gym. <laughs> Not outside 7-Eleven with but your cousin. She's probably been so successful because you two are friends too, yeah. right? Like, And getting along with your, with your client and them questioning you and you teaching them technique and how to move their body and question their own movements. I know for me, one of the biggest compliments I actually get from my clients in the first few weeks of training is my body's not that tired, but man, my mind is so tired. Mm -hmm. Like 
I feel like I've had to tweak and change and try to be like in myself so much, mm-hmm. right? And that's really important, I think, from a trainer standpoint. Maybe you are just going to work out and sweat. And maybe some people do just want, you know, if you're looking for a good workout, maybe you're not the right guy, but somebody yeah. else is, right? Yeah. And that's what they want. So you have to know what you want going into a session like that. Of course. Like, I, I couldn't agree more. You really got to do your research. I, I might not be your guy. If you want to learn, and especially in my world, if you want to learn how to Dutch style kickbox, I'm not your guy, but I'll tell you, go to Surrey, to WKX, Jay Johns, he's the guy. Um, if you want to find a good boxing gym, and maybe I'm not your guy, I'd recommend Rain City Boxing. They have a really unique boxing program that incorporates a very old school Russian style that's like very unique, you'll never find this. Uh, hey, I want to do MMA, but I used to be a boxer. Oh, you should go to Pinnacle on MMA. Uh, head striking coach Achilles. He favors boxing, but he's an amazing MMA fighter. Like, that's what he does. Mm-hmm. I will have, I will do my best to have the right answer for you, mm-hmm. right? If if I'm not your guy, I will help you find that answer. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, do your research. I, I don't care how old you are, who you are, what your physical capabilities are. I will do my best I can do to serve whatever you need as long as it's not... Or as long as it is in that learning aspect of martial arts. Yeah. Right? I'm not going to tell you I'm a personal trainer. I'd never say that I'm a personal trainer. I'm going to probably eat church's chicken tonight and then go to the fights downtown. <laughs> hey, trainers eat church's chicken. I was chicken just going to say, you, you think trainers don't do that too? Yeah. You know, I love church's chicken. I wish I could. I'm gluten free. <laughs> oh, but you, have... you can go, what is it, juke? The gluten free oh, fried jukes. chicken? Yeah. We'll go jukes perfect um <laughs> is there like a lot of camaraderie in like your side of that industry um again like i go back to this idea that you kind of like you know there, there's a bunch of people that teach mma so they mm-hmm. thought until they heard this podcast and now they're having an existential crisis um but like is there a lot of camaraderie in that industry like you're you're willing to kind of like give shout outs to all these other people oh totally um like do you feel like if people in the industry come to you like you're good with them you're there for them yeah and is if you go to somebody else is it the same like is that because i like different in personal training um we're all super bitchy and hate each other um which is (laughs) why actually this is why actually three wave came together um (laughs) but it depends on the traders you're talking to. But I mean, like, like all in all, like there is a lot of ego in yeah. personal training, especially, right? And so I, I can only imagine with the the uh, kind of like various gauntlets of like, yeah. you know, like the Dana White thing you were talking about yeah. or like any of the other like semi-pro or pro leagues, it creates a lot of ego. Oh, my ride's here. Perfect. Um, <laughs> but uh, it creates a lot of ego in that regard, right? So is that camaraderie there or do you what do you what do you have to say about that there is especially in bc we have such an amazing mma community going to stop <laughs> yeah maybe yeah, we should maybe stop we... for a moment <laughs> no keep talking because okay. i mean honestly we've been talking through it so like oh, okay. okay um in bc we are so lucky to have such an amazing somewhat tight-knit mma community mm-hmm. i can honestly i feel like i can go to probably three other gyms and be totally fine. And and that's because, like like I said in, earlier on, we travel to other villages. Right. Right? Like, um, I would feel very comfortable going out to North Vancouver to train at a gym called Universal MMA run by Dan Kayich, 
who's like one of the best 170 pound MMA fighters in the country. Mm. He's an absolute monster. He's a like such a cool guy, beautiful mind when it comes to the the sport as a whole, and an absolute scary dude to be standing in front of when you're locked in a cage. It's very scary, but just a beautiful human being. He's super nice. Uh, I was lucky enough to be invited out to uh, WKX once uh, with another beautiful mind, Jay Johnson, who coaches a lot of high-level athletes, and he welcomes people in no problem. Um, there's gyms out in Maple Ridge, Squamish. Our sister gym is in Squamish. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Sound MMA, who's run by Casey Smith and Cole Smith, and it's just nothing but love. It's like a family gathering. I have photos of literally everyone from every gym in the same corner. Mm. Cornering an athlete. Why do you think that is? Is it the the sport that breeds that kind of com, like camaraderie, or is it the people that just happen to be part of the BC community? You know what? I think it's a little bit of both. I can't speak for any other province or state or country or whatever it may be, um, but I, because I I'm familiar with the Vancouver and BC circuit, we're very tight knit. Like mm. we're all buddies. Because I think it's... Is it because you've all been sweaty together? Yes. <laughs> you've all punched each other in the face, so there's no more fight like, oh, yeah. outside of the ring? So many bodily fluids. <laughs> trained. Oh, wow. No. Through gloves. Oh. On your like, hands. Gloves on your hands. Gloves on your hands. <laughs> gloves on your hands. It's okay. Sweat and blood. This is a safe place. It is a safe place. <laughs> um, you know what? We, we've talked about it too at the gyms and stuff. It's funny, like, your athlete versus their athlete will compete. And then you'll probably go for pizza after mm. and just be buddies about it. Yeah. It's like when um, you were kids and you played soccer. Yeah, yeah. we all, right. all share oranges. Orange slices, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also, because at the pinnacle of the sport in the local circuit, there's not many, like, high-level fighters that are going to go to the UFC or mm-hmm. Bellator or 1FC, whatever it may be. So we're all trying to make each other better. Mm-hmm. We're not trying to knock each other off the top. Yeah, which makes me think of something you said earlier um, in the pre-interview, actually, where you mentioned that whether you're in the UFC or not, it doesn't actually make you a better athlete. Mm. It's just you're in front of the camera. Yeah. Do you want to elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. So right when I got back from Vegas, I taught my Tuesday night class at Pinnacle. And after every class, I give a speech. Um, I've said really? Spe- you like to talk? Yeah, I like to talk. <laughs> what? Um, I give a speech at the end of practice. doesn't matter what it is. I either critique people on their skills or whatever. But right when I got home, I, I need to make this point. The guys and girls or the athletes that are in the UFC, they are not better than us. They are just there. That's mm-hmm. all it is. They don't have better techniques they are not tougher than you they they aren't better boxers or kickboxers whatever it may be they are just like you the difference is they made it there um something that will set the people at the top though apart is how far are they willing to go so for example before achilles made it to the contender series and when I got back from Vegas the first time, I literally went up to him and I said, you would, 
you would probably beat up half those guys. You belong there. Don't ever think you don't. To, to my buddy Jamie Siraj, who's a good friend, um, he's one of the best in the country right now. And when I got back from this trip, I looked at him and I said, you could have had six contracts or something. Like, you are way better than these guys. They're just there. There's more of them there. Las Vegas is the fight capital of the world, mm-hmm. so that's where everyone kind of migrates. BC, not e- just centralized, Vancouver has such a high-level community, um, at least at, at the top, mm. right? And even our, our amateur like um, athletes, they're, they're just as good as professionals. Like, I've seen the amateurs in this city beat professional world champions. Wow. Right? It's just a label, and it just mm-hmm. happens to be where you are. Yeah. This was, this was my favorite part. Actually, I'll, I'll tell you this. When we're in Las Vegas, we're training at this place called the UFC Performance Institute. So it's a giant complex. I imagine like a Douglas College, but literally for MMA. Like that sounds fun. Yeah, it's like cafeteria, strength and conditioning, rehab, a bunch of things. One when we were there, there was a there was a, a boxing match, the Canelo versus Plant fight, which was one of the biggest. Like it'll go down in the history books. Um, me and Achilles are training. We're hitting pads, in the uh, in the octagon, and we're hitting pads. He's looking very sharp, very clean, very crisp. And next to the octagon is a boxing ring. Mm. In that boxing ring, there's like three dudes. And on our minute breaks, we kind of watch them box. And Achilles like nudging my shoulder. He's like, hey, you want to do a round with those guys? And I go, I feel like I could, but I'm very out of shape right now. (laughs) And he's like, yeah, no, but like, I feel like on your best day, you could, you could, totally compete with these guys compete means you wouldn't beat them you wouldn't lose you would compete you would be on a good level and i'm like watching them like yeah like i got a little bit more style i I can finesse a bit more Mm -hmm. but they are grown men they are like they're big boys and they are never out of position they hit incredibly hard and when they hit you will feel it like they don't care they're hitting you to hurt but we're still looking at them like, nah, they're not that good. They're not that good. <laughs> Turns out the guys that were boxing in that ring were the co-main event of the Canelo plant fight. I think his, his name was, oh, I'm going to really screw this, Durrell. Durrell something. Anyways, he won that fight in a devastating fashion. Like, he gave the guy a free facelift with an uppercut. And I was like, oh, is that guy alive? <laughs> And that was the guy that Achilles was like, nah, you could beat him. So are you glad you didn't go in there? <laughs> Not really. I wish I did go in there. Because, like, he's beaten world champions. And we, you got to remember, we look at these guys and we're like, we didn't know who they were. You're just another guy. I could see you outside 7-Eleven right now and you'd be just some other guy. But there's, like, some sort of... Oh, I got some stories. <laughs> but there's, like, some sort of... Uh like enticing part of it being on TV it just kind of glorifies it glorifies them. it yeah well again it goes back to that sense of like ego right because yeah. there is that high prize and, mm-hmm. and that stratifies you know like it creates a hierarchical yeah. society within within totally. sport right so I I think I come a very I come from a very unique place so me as well as Achilles <laughs> um, me and Achilles both don't really watch MMA like, 
at all, really. He still thinks the champions are guys like Chuck Liddell, who I don't think has competed since, like, 2009. Like, he does not watch it at all. Mm. And that's kind yeah, of his Chuck little... Chuck Liddell hasn't been around for a while. <laughs> yeah, no, he's, like, re- he's long-time retired. Like, we does don't... Does Achilles still have one of those, like, antenna TVs then? And, like, oh, walks so over to change the channel? Dude, the stories that I have for you, we were in the locker room, and we're, like, getting changed, we're chatting, we're kind of bullshitting and it was all funny and this guy walks into the room jacked just shredded like you'd think he was on steroids or something he was just a he was a big little man because when i say little he's like i don't know he wasn't that big and achilles is looking at them he's like oh that guy's pretty jacked I'm like you know who that is he's like no he's got a nice chain though and i go yeah he's the ufc champion at 135 and he goes, that guy? And I go, yeah, dude. He goes, huh. Okay. And then we're Just like walking past and it's like, uh, we saw a guy hitting pads and we're like, who's that? And I go, that's the guy that almost beat John Jones. <laughs> and he's like, huh. that guy? And I go, yeah, that guy. Just clueless. Just clueless. And But that also ties in like. It's probably a better place to be in going into a place like that. So you're yeah. not like shell shocked. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like. They're just, they're just yeah, people. They're just people. Humans, yeah. yeah, they're just people. Um, but I will say this. The thing that will set the guys from the top uh, apart from everybody else isn't their technical skills or their athleticism, their cardio, whatever it may be. It's nothing physical like that. It's, in my opinion, it is their, like how far are they willing to go, right? Yeah. Can you honestly say... That if your nose was shattered and like over here and your jaw was over here and your eyebrows up here and you're you can't see out of your, your other eye and you still got three more rounds. Do you do you want to do those three rounds or do you want to go look in the mirror and fix your face? You know what I mean? Like Daffy Duck style? Yeah. I don't think you're fixing your face. You're not fixing your face. Um, that is actually what sets those guys apart. It's yeah, it's not their physical sense. capabilities. Like I said, like I, the tenacity. Yeah, I guess so. Like they're, they're just different. They're they're different breeds, um, and I don't know if you can teach that. I know athletes in the local circuit that are absolute monsters, monsters. Once you touch them, they're like, oh, they shake up. Their frame shakes, and they're like, oh, geez. Um, I don't know how to explain it. You could have the toughest dudes. Like neck to toe and tattoos, face tattoos, yeah. biggest guy in the world. And it doesn't mean anything you if you. It doesn't mean like, anything. It doesn't mean anything because you're just looking for somebody who actually just wants that goal hard enough. And yeah. I mean, you see that in every type of field, not just in um, mar- mixed martial arts, mm-hmm. not fighting, in mixed martial arts, but you see it in every field. People that'll just go beyond what most people are comfortable doing. Well, mm-hmm. I, I think again, though, like going back to a place of. of you know, like if you're doing something like that, if you're fronting that look, you're saying like forehead to toe tattoo, yeah. um, you know, usually there's a psychological reason behind that because yeah. you're you're building a tough looking exterior to compensate for something else potentially, right? For sure. But a lot yeah. of athletes are like that. Yeah. Right. And this, which is what we talked about during the, uh, I think we talked about just during the Olympian uh, podcast, is that athletes are not actually the healthiest people mm. on the face of the earth, right? They're mm. willing to go farther than most people to get a goal. Yep. That doesn't make it healthy or, you know, p- 
perfect in any way. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have a question. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> way because, to announce it. I know. <laughs> I'm nervous. What kind of question? <laughs> well, no, we're like, we're talking about how far will you go and how like that's very common yeah. with a lot of athletes or even just like very successful people. Mm-hmm. They just go really far and decide that they don't need any balance in their life or whatever it is yep. that they're going for. But you do a sport where you take hits to the face, can break bones, can get concussed, and can potentially die. Like, why choose that? And what does it feel like just before you go in, whether it's you with an athlete or you as the athlete going in? Like, what are you thinking about when you know you're going to take a beating? I think everyone's different. So one thing I always say is like, for our sport, because I haven't been able to do it as much as everyone else. I've been able to step into the the ring in the gym against guys where I literally was very nervous about mm-hmm. um, versus other people like, you know, have had 30, 30 fights in total by my age, you know? Um, I don't know. It's, it's because not, is that what draws you to it? Like You know what? What draws me to it is that skiing and snowboarding scare the crap out of me, and you could die from a mountain. But at you least with the what? other guy, I can block his punches. Yeah, that actually makes perfect sense. <laughs> you can negotiate with another human. You can't negotiate with the mountain. Yeah, yeah. pretty well, much. And like enough. everyone's different. Like before a match, for example, velour tracksuits. <laughs> Achilles Estremadura. He's gonna he's gonna love this. Achilles Estremadura <laughs> has this awesome velour tracksuit that's brown. He will walk into the casino, like wherever the fight is, could be at the Hard Rock, with his sunglasses on, very late every single time, every single time, and he's wearing his blue tracksuit, walks in, he'll do his meeting, and then he'll sleep underneath like a couple chairs. Other people are (laughs) screaming and yelling in the back, slapping their faces. I know guys that like to do three rounds before their five-round fight. Um, walking out, I know guys like to just be as zen as possible. I know guys like to be amped up and nervous. I know guys like to have keywords or things you do. Um, everyone's different. Everyone's unique. But we all do it because we love it. We don't do it for the pay. There's no pay. You don't do this for the pay. And you don't do it for. And you don't do it for the pain either. It's because no. you actually just. It, it, you're attracted to it. Yeah, and yeah. for me, I played a variety of different sports. I played rugby, basketball, soccer. I swam. I did karate and wrestling and then MMA, and now I'm doing more boxing. I found that I was just better at individual sports. I found that combative sports was where I belong. I knew that in combative sports, there's no one to blame but you. There's literally going to be a winner or a loser. Yeah. In the sport that we do, everyone uses our sport as like a, like an analogy or a metaphor. Like, oh, this is going to be a fight. Like when you're playing basketball, it's like, no, it's not. Just relax. You're, you're, <laughs> and I'm not talking down, but it's like you're throwing a ball into a basket. Like, relax. <laughs> Just chill. You're not getting like head kicked. You're not getting punched. You're not getting slammed on the floor by a guy that's like, wanting it just as bad as you are like there is no metaphor for what we do it is literally the thing you're doing (laughs) um but everyone handles it in such a different way for me i'd like 
to be a little nervous. A little. The best way to explain it is if you you know when you gotta pee a little bit. <laughs> Do you not go to the bathroom before you? Oh yeah, I used to make a point of this on Saturdays at Checkmat. We used to do uh, sparring in the morning, and I made sure that I always had a little bit of pee in the <laughs> because I knew that if I got hit, I was gonna pee my pants in front of all my buddies. <laughs> Don't be that guy. Is this an actual story? I, I you're promise. Serious? You I promise that's real. I promise. I promise. That's no. a real thing. Next time I see you, I really just want to like punch you in the gut just to hey, see where if you piss yourself. Hey, where are you going? Yourself. You want to check that? You got, <laughs> oh, you got to pee, Joey? You got to pee? coffee in your hand? Joey, you got to pee? <laughs> that, as as someone who specializes in pelvic floor, that's slightly horrifying, <laughs> but I kind of love it as well. <laughs> um, but everyone's so different and you really just don't know. Um, but as a coach, you, you try and be as logical as possible, like for Achilles. For example, I know that for him, you need to cool him down. Cool him. He doesn't... When you meet him, he's very like, hey, how's it going? Hey, uh, how's it going? Mm -hmm. But he's also... You've met him. Yeah, yeah. He's very soft-spoken. He loves his daughter so much. He doesn't watch MMA. He doesn't have big cauliflower ears. He's a very clean-cut guy. He's very soft-spoken. But it's because on the inside, he's just like... Like this. <laughs> so you got to maintain that cool levelness. Yeah. So when we're in the back, it's like I'll use keywords, okay. right? I'll I'll be like, hey, chill, relax, you're all good. Like when he's when he's actually competing, I'll be like, just stay pretty, not beat him up. You know, <laughs> like you have to not no, just stay pretty, stay. No, you're all good. Just don't dance. piss yourself. Just don't piss yourself. <laughs> don't don't be me. Here, <laughs> Did you it know? ever happen? No, not yet. <laughs> not yet. No. So far, <laughs> the technique works. Um, I think thank we you should, for answering that. Thank I think you. we should probably wrap because we've been talking to you for like an hour and a half. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. it's going to be a lot for Cam to edit. So, <laughs> well, thank you, thank yeah. you very much for that that uh, kind shout out there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're going to post down at the bottom of this podcast uh, ways to reach you in case anybody mm. has questions about boxing, they're looking for a referral, or if ever you have the space that somebody can get in with you. Do you want to tell us what your handles are right now, where you yeah. want, want people to find you? So on Instagram, if you look up Sapperton Scrapper, that is what I use for all my content, all my work. If you want to reach me for personals or questions, um, whatever it may be regarding training, uh, boxing specifically, you can definitely reach me on that. The gyms that I train out of are Grindhouse Athletics in East Vancouver. You can also contact them through Instagram, just at Grindhouse Athletics, as well as I'm one of the head striking coaches at Pinnacle Mixed Martial Arts in Richmond. Um, yeah, and same thing. Just reach them out. Same name, same handle. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. We've learned so much about the industry from you today and that you like to hold your pee in so <laughs> you don't get punched. Um, so thank you again. I, was that the lesson? Yeah. He, he likes said, to hold his pee in so he doesn't get punched. Yeah, because if he, he gets into, punched, he, he goes into the himself. ring. Goes into the it's ring a real thing. Like, You're just like, I don't just, get touched. Don't get touched right now or you'll pee. Just don't get punched <laughs> or it'll be very embarrassing. That's the only lesson anybody's going to take away from this at this point. Probably. So, yeah. I think, I think that's okay. That's yeah. a win for this. <laughs> just you know, good life yes. advice. Just I, always have a little bit of pee. I run faster when I have to pee a little bit. You're not wrong. I get it. I get it. <laughs>
it's a very weird place for this podcast <laughs> yes. to end, but this has here's been where it so ends. much fun, super fun. You've been a hoot to chat with. Yes, thank you. I appreciate and we it. thank everybody who's chosen to listen to this awesome podcast. Make sure that you check out our other podcasts with lots of our amazing guests, and we can't wait to bring you some new amazing content with cool people like Joey. Oh. Thanks, and different than Joey. And different than Joey. <laughs> I'm going to find somebody that doesn't hold their pee. I was the literally going to say <laughs> But that. maybe oh. someone who wears a velour tracksuit. Like, I really... Don't give, I got a list of people that will show up in velour tracksuits <laughs> okay. in like 10 minutes if you want. Okay, we will that's, discuss this. That's perfect. <laughs> I, I don't know that I asked for that, but thank you. Next podcast, <laughs> the history of velour. Okay. Mm, the history of it. the velour tracksuit specifically. Specifically. Starting with Juicy Couture. Oh, I, the Adidas three stripe, I think, has got to be Well, the, but that... That was that wasn't the one initially. Anyway, that's for our next podcast. <laughs> All right. so. yeah, this is good. <laughs> this is where we fade out. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. Awesome. We live. <laughs>